true identity in the book of Ephesians. I've been, I've been plodding along through this since uh, last summer and uh, during the COVID crisis. So uh, we've had some, some jump-offs here and there, but uh, you know we've been hitting it pretty regularly lately. So the purpose is to reveal the uh, Christ's sufficiency, the church's unity, the, the Christian's duty through the study of Paul's prison epistles to the Ephesians. The theme is building the body of Christ in the image and the likeness of Christ and revealing our true identity, which is so important today because people seem to be a little bit lost in their identity. So we saw three major things when you break down this book, Christ's deity, uh, the church's unity, and the Christian's duty. We've been focusing on the Christian's duty for some time. Uh, chapter 1 is laid out for you. By the way, if you need a, a handout uh, uh, with the fill-in-the-blanks, you can go to our website under Listen. I think uh, Brianna probably also sent a link out earlier today if you're checking your emails. But if not, you can go to listen on our website. Go to this Ephesian study under, uh, uh, you know, this Ephesian image, which looks like this. Let me get back to it. Uh, and then you will find tonight's sermon. You'll, have a, you'll both have the PowerPoint that I have right now, and you'll have a handout. So, uh, so we've covered chapter 1, dealing with the introduction, Paul's introduction, Christ's blessings, Paul's prayer for us. Chapter 2, we dealt with we, how we are quickened from death, quickened in Christ, and quickened uh, in our understanding. And then we saw the uh, in chapters 3, uh, revelation uh, to the body of Christ and, re- and intercession for the body of Christ as Paul uh, worked that prayer there. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we saw the unity of the body of Christ, the diversity of the gifts of the body of Christ, and the responsibility of the members of the body of Christ. So that really begins that that duty response, uh, that duty aspect right there in chapter four, and verse fourteen. So, uh, chapter five, we talked about the need to walk like Christ, wed like Christ. We're dealing with that Im- that uh, mystery of Christ in the church. Then in chapter six, uh, we are working on waxing strong in Christ. We've already covered that. That's the ch- the child, the father, the servant, the master. And, uh, and that leads us right into warring like Christ in Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 18. So if you have your Bibles, I just want to read the text, and we're going to jump back in uh, tonight. Hey, guys, sorry uh, sorry we don't have... This is... We're doing this a little different. So you didn't get the memo. So I'm sorry we don't have youth tonight. Is your dad out there? Okay. So uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ignore you, but I'm going to act like you're not here, so... Actually, I might use you guys to talk to me a little bit because it's kind of lonely. But uh, at any rate, uh, we're glad that you're here. We do have some folks that have busted in through the weather, so I'm glad you can be rewarded with being here. Unfortunately, we don't have TNT or uh, or the youth tonight. So, wah, wah, wah. you got to listen to me. All right. So, uh, come on in, guys. So, Nathan, we didn't get you the memo, bro. Sorry, man. So, all right. Family service right here in the... In the sanctuary. All right. So, so uh, we got a few people trickling in here. So we're just getting ready to read Ephesians chapter six, uh, verse uh, verses ten through eighteen, and we're going to bust into uh, the rest of our discussion on warring like Christ. I'm going to do a little review, and then we'll finish it up. Then I'm going to jump in. Uh, hopefully, uh, I won't get to it tonight, but we'll get into win like Christ, and we will be done with this study. Ephesians six verse ten. The Bible says, "Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord." And the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able uh, to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, 
and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So that is our text, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. And we've already looked at uh, you know waxing strong in Christ. So as far as warring like Christ, what we've seen is that um, you know, you got to grow up to stand up. So we saw that in Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, verse 10, uh, grow up so you can stand up. And then we saw the need uh, to understand that growing is a progression. Uh, it's a priority. It's a progression. And then uh, Christians must grow up to man up, right? You can't, you can't man up till you grow up. We also uh, talked about how spiritual maturity develops apart from physical maturity and gave you some, some things to measure. In regard to measuring up, we talked about the seven stages of spiritual growth, how God provides Christians a way to measure up. Of course, at Heartland, we have eight stages. The eighth stage is reproduction of churches, not just individuals, and going beyond that. But Christians who grow up have a power to, uh, to stand up in the evil day, and that's so important. We talked about that, um, and you want to be able to stand in the battle. So we spent some time talking about that, and then in, we talked about the need to place our faith let me get ahead here. Christians who grow up have the power to stand up. Um, let me get ahead here. I'm behind on my slides. There we go. Uh, so we, we need to place our faith. There we go. Pla- place our faith. Uh, let's see. A Christian warrior does not wrestle flesh and blood. So I skipped over some things, but that's okay. Um, and so we talked a lot about that last week. And that's about where we left off, actually. So um, Ephesians six twelve, we we've made it through two verses in about two weeks. So for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we talked about God expects us to uh, resist, uh, and so we shouldn't just capitulate to the the devil. That's what wrestling's all about. Uh, and He also expects us to win. And so we talked about uh, how the forces are at work at the highest levels in Daniel chapter 10 last week. I also mentioned Jude uh, chapter 1. Of course, there's only one chapter in Jude. And verse 9, where Michael the archangel was contending with the devil and disputed about the body of Moses. And, uh, and uh, didn't, you know, he didn't wrestle with him per se. He brought in the Lord's power and just said, hey, the Lord rebuked thee, deal with the Lord. And that uh, put Satan at bay. So since Satan's pride convinces him, he can challenge the highest of angels, he'll have no problems challenging us. That's why we got to be ready for the onslaught. And so, and like Michael, we need to take it to the Lord. Uh, Job was wise enough not to meddle with things that were too high for him. He trusted the Lord's character in the midst of spiritual war. So we learned some things from that. And so understanding that God is good, uh, I mentioned last week, is the key to conquering the lies of the, adver- of the adversary. So uh, we got to be wise to his tactics. And that's where we left off. So I'm going to pick up where we left off finally. So that's our review. That was a nice long review. Uh, So let's talk about being wise to the enemy's tactics. Um, The devil, like, you know, in any any war situation, it's a a strategy. It's a game of, uh, it's not a game. It's very serious. But uh, it's a a challenge, right, to know the other opponents. uh, And really not just opponents, the enemy's tactics. So the devil likes likes to hide behind half-truths and, questioning authority 
And so that's one of the things you need to know that I need to know about the enemy's tactics, right? He is a, uh, you know, he's a liar. That's the first thing you know about him in the Old Testament when he appears to Eve in the garden as he's lying. He's questioning, he's usurping the authority of the Lord. And so in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, the Bible says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And so uh, the woes uh, are interestingly enough when you're in the book of Isaiah, you can tie those in oftentimes with the woes that are in the book of Revelation. That's another story. But that's the time when Satan's going to have his most uh, prominent uh, impact upon the planet is during that time of tribulation. And there's woes that come with it. Woe unto them that call good, evil good and good evil. You'll note that in Malachi, we, we were talking about that. I just left off uh, this last week, uh, Sunday morning. The very last thing I, I mentioned, and it kind of honks the Lord off, in Malachi chapter, let me go back and look at that. Uh, Malachi chapter 2, the last verse there, the chapter. There we go. I, I got a bookmark there. That would have helped. Uh, he says, Ye have wearied the Lord with your words, yet ye say, Wherein have we wearied him? When you say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? So those two things really kind of honk the Lord off. He's like, Why are you calling uh, that which is evil good? It's not cool at all. So one to them that call evil good. The, so the kind of evil that we're up against uh, would have no problem putting arsenic <clears throat> in a baby bottle. And I don't think people really think about how evil uh, and really truly wicked Satan is. And he really has no limits on how evil he is. He hates us. If it wasn't for God's mercies and the goodness of God, humanity wouldn't stand a chance against the devil. But he's only limited because of, of God. You know, he, he can only go so far. So Satan has no problem <clears throat> obliterating innocence. Um, he doesn't blush, right? Uh, he doesn't turn his head. He doesn't think twice about it um, to, to take the most innocent and pure thing and uh, just destroy it. So the cabins, they're here tonight. They got a little baby. I can't imagine, you know, how the devil could destroy a baby, and that's terrible, and not think twice about it. And so we need to, we need to be, really understand how dark he is. So go to the record of Scripture and consider the end of Satan's deception. That's, that's one thing that we can do. Uh, he knew and he hoped his deception would cause the destruction and death of the entire human race. And so uh, there's not a world leader that is uh, that, uh, as bad as like Hitler was. Uh, he still doesn't compare to the wickedness of those that are, uh, the, to the wickedness of Satan. So <clears throat> oh, I just noticed I got a prayer request here. I'll get that at the end. Thanks for sending that, Ray. Um, and so go to uh, so the the devil is a liar, right? Uh, so we know one thing: he's he hides behind half truths. He's also a liar, and he wants us to believe things that are not true. And so, Second Corinthians chapter eleven and verse two says, "For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means, as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be." corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And so we see that Paul was very concerned about the impact of the devil in regard to the church at Corinth. And, uh, and he writes about that in 2 Corinthians. So he's, a, he's, a, he's an adversary that deals in uh, lies and half-truths and deception. And he wants you to believe that you have a problem 
uh, this is really one of the best tactics that he has. He wants you to believe that you have a problem with a person. And that is always what he wants you to believe, that there's some person and that person is your problem. Have you noticed, like I was just listening to some people that are fired up about everything going on in Texas, you know, and they're looking for a person to blame it on. Obviously, that's the, the governor. The buck stops with him in Texas, so he's in trouble. Um, but uh, there's always you're looking for a person, and uh, that's human nature. But the reality is oftentimes uh, when we get into a conflict with people, there's a spiritual element to it. And the Bible tells us we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. So Satan wants you to believe that you have a problem with people, but really, the problem he is causing is, is much bigger, and it's deception and deceit. So the sooner you realize your problems are not with people, the sooner you will be victorious in spiritual warfare, right? When you kind of get your head around the fact that people aren't really your problem. Uh, you know, if you're a politician, right, you're like, a, or not a politician, but if you're into the politics, you know, you're right, left, whatever, you think, oh, these people are the problem. Uh, certainly, there's people at play, and the principalities and powers have a lot to do with that. No doubt about it. So there's, but there's actually bigger forces at work. That's why we're to pray for kings and all that are in authority. Uh, and so uh, we got to realize we're wrestling against things that are much bigger than even the people who represent them. So uh, we can become victorious when we step back and understand that. All right. So let's keep moving here. So there's also some practical tips uh, to overcoming this. This is just practical stuff. Um, one of the this is doesn't may not seem like it. It really. Uh, matches this but it really does do away with the attitude of ingratitude right that's one of the things that you can do uh, you know in the garden when eve was beguiled uh, she really believed that god was holding out on her and one of the things that she missed was the fact that the garden if you go back and look at the account in genesis chapter 2 uh in verse 17 i believe it is he says all the trees of the garden that may that may us freely eat you know so what was the issue there she's she's not really she nor Adam were really that thankful for what they had. And verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. I mean, all that surplus. I mean, everything that was there was theirs to eat of. Um, and then they, and he, then he says, For in the day that thou eatest, or in verse 17, but, but and he says, You mean freely eat. There's no limitations. You can eat as much as you want. And then in verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, if Satan uh, came and approached Eve, and he says, You know, God's holding out on you on this tree of knowledge of good and evil. He knows of the day that you eat thereof that you're going to die. Um, so, man, you you got an issue. Um, well, if she would have been thankful and said, You know what? I'm just thankful I got what I got. I'm glad that God has given me all the trees of the garden that I can freely eat from because, uh, man, I tell you what, that is incredible. So, um, so Satan, Satan would not have nearly the, the, uh, the opportunity with that kind of attitude of gratitude. So just an attitude of gratitude goes a long way because it really helps us realize that God is good. Just getting back to our last discussion last week, God is good. That's going to help you go a long way in, in regard to spiritual warfare. And another thing that we got to really be careful of is not listening to gossip. Once again, you get back to the garden, and um, there wasn't a thing that Satan was, uh, you know, saying that it needed to be heard by Eve. And of course, we don't know why Adam didn't put a kibosh on that, but he didn't. And so, gossip is often, uh, you know, uh, it's often slanderous, 
and it uh, it's it's full of deceit and uh, it's not a good thing. The f- third thing is give people the benefit of the doubt. Just practically speaking, give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, um, don't always think the, the worst. Think the best, and uh, that's that's just something anyone can do. And be gracious with people because you know what? It's easy to give grace when God's given grace to you. Isn't that right? So in the in uh, you know in the Gospels, Peter. Uh, you know, Jesus said, you know, hey, he who, who's been forgiven much, they, well, they love much, right? So it's easy to give grace if you realize really how much grace you've been given. So give people the benefit of the doubt, give them grace, and, uh, and exercise Matthew 18. And so I want to just go there and uh, look at that for just a minute. Matthew 18 is a very practical passage that uh, everyone needs to know how to use because even though we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, and we don't. We really wrestle against principalities and powers. God gives us a way to defuse the bomb. So it's like in a war. We're talking about warfare and tactics, right? So like in, a, in the Middle East, all those roadside bombs going off, you know, those aren't good. They blow up the Humvees, blow people's legs and limbs off and bring people home all maimed. So what they do is they go out and they try to defuse bombs, right? They got methods and, and, and means to do that. So even though we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, the reality is it's flesh and blood is where we got to often diffuse the bomb and uh, so it doesn't detonate. So in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 18, uh, there's a, uh, I was just teaching on this a little bit last night or at least touching on it. It deals with, you know, the issue of how to deal with the brother. It says in verse 15 of chapter 18 of Matthew, Matthew 18, 15, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Now, by the way, it doesn't say if a stranger has trespassed against you. Um, uh, so this is definitely dealing in the context of the, the family of God, the household of faith. You can't expect lost people to act saved. So, you know, just have a, that's the first thing you got to do. Be wise. Uh, secondly, he goes on to say in verse 16, but if he will not hear thee, uh, then take uh, with thee one or two more, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man, as a publican. Verse 17 is really powerful. Uh, and a lot of times we jump to church discipline and dragging everybody's business in front of the church. You, frankly, it's been my experience, you don't really have to deal with that that often. Occasionally you do, but uh, really it's a step-by-step process, which the first thing is to go deal with your brother, Right. And the Bible, we just talked about this Sunday morning, too. If you have an ought against your brother, man, uh, you know, don't go offering sacrifices. Remember in the Old Testament, Saul was like um, offering sacrifices instead of obedience. God says, leave your, leave your sacrifice and go make it right, and then you can sacrifice later. Be obedient. Deal with it. Don't let, don't let relational issues just drag out forever. Go to that person. Uh, let them know, hey, uh, there's a problem, and I need to get this straightened out. This actually happens quite frequently. This happened this last Lord's Supper. I won't get into particulars, but a, a certain person was like, man, somebody's got an issue with me, and, I, and I'm, I'm trying to straighten it out, but I'm not sure it's going to be straightened out. And So, you know, uh, so it's the next level. They're coming to try to get someone to help them. And so that does happen. We have, I've had situations where there's business dealings gone bad, and some brothers are at each other, you know, we, well, first they try to work it out among themselves, and they can't do it, so then we mediate it. The Bible says, Paul says, hey, get the person that's least in the church to mediate those things, right? Because we should have a capacity. This is the book of Matthew, so this has actually got a context 
that is not just in the church age, but uh, in the New Testament, we're like, man, we're going to judge angels, Paul says. So we should be able to work some problems out. <laughs> I mean, Paul's like, come on, man. Uh, it shouldn't be that big a deal. So so, so your brother stole 20 grand from you. Uh, and uh, so what are we going to do? Let's work it out inside the household of faith so it doesn't become a problem for uh, our testimony. So brothers should be able to work out family problems within the context, and that also includes sisters, within the context of the family. And so, by the way, since I'm talking about brothers and sisters, um, it's also good to work it out in the context of authority. A lot of times, when a, if, a, if, a, if a female, if a wife in particular, will not submit to her husband, it causes problems. And, uh, and so a lot of times it's, I'll go right to the man and say, if there's a couple sisters fighting, I'm like, I'm not going to deal with that sister because that's, that's, her, that's her husband's issue. Hey, husband, can you take care of your wife? Because, you know, she's gossiping all over the place. And so, and sometimes she's so off the hook, you can't. So he, you know, like, he may say, well, pastor, I'm trying. I'm like, okay, well, I'll help you if I can. So, you know, we just try to work it all out. It's family business. It needs to be worked out. Sometimes it escalates. I remember one time there was a brother that was offended at somebody in the family and um, for something really, really, really ridiculous. And uh, so it, it escalated the point of the Lord's Supper. And uh, I'm like, well, let's get together and talk about it. And, and the brother was like, you know what? I, I'm not going to forgive you. And then we went ahead and took the Lord's Supper. And that brother took the Lord's Supper. So it wasn't good. And so uh, there's also judgment. The Bible tells us very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 uh, that if we don't judge ourselves, then, well, God will judge us, right? So uh, oftentimes, the reason I, I, I rarely have to get to verse 17 and, and uh, tell it to the church is because usually um, it gets judged before that. Not always. There's been a few times when I've had to bring things that are just uh, gross uh, to before the body of Christ. But uh, most of the time, uh, if you just deal with it between the people, it gets settled. And then um, if someone's really rebellious of heart, Usually you can work it out if you bring a mediator. And then uh, lastly, if it gets to that other point, then they need to either repent or God will judge them. And God has a way of taking care of business when he needs to do that. And so I, this is at a time where I would stop if I had a room full of people and say, are there any questions? I do have a couple people. Are there any questions? Nathan's like, no. And then I have a special guest who is going to remain anonymous because he's always anonymous. It's not QAnon, though. I promise you that. All right. So, uh, so how many of you have failed in in these areas, right? So, and if you're watching online, again, we're not monitoring the chat, but I think many of us have failed. You can go to that list, and we've, you know, I'm guilty of not having an attitude of gratitude. It's so easy to be half empty and not half full. That gives a place for the devil. So just know that if you were in a combat situation, right? That's like taking your helmet off or, or, or exposing yourself or getting up from behind the wall. You're allowing yourself an opening for Satan to, to take a shot at you when you have an attitude of ingratitude. Gossip, man, we all can get caught up in that. we got to watch the tongue, right? The Bible tells us you're, you're, you're a wise person. You can control the tongue, right? It's a crazy. That thing will set the whole house on fire. I mean, I, I mean you guys probably, have you ever seen a church caught on fire with a tongue? Yeah. I know, Mister. I know. I know my my guest that is unnamed and my Nathan is saying, "Yep, seen that happen. I've seen it happen too. I've seen a lot of fires started with the tongue, and uh, and uh, you know, you think of that story of uh, Samson, right? When he willing to get even with the Philistines, he took some some flames and tied it to some foxes and let them loose and just burn up all their crops. Just went everywhere. And uh, man, I tell you what, that's what gossip will do to a church if, if someone doesn't stop and say, you know what? 
Let me go talk to them about that. That stops gossip usually right now. Oh, let me, okay, let's go talk about it. It actually just happened. I had a situation like that a few weeks ago. And so, um, and so give people the benefit of the doubt. Like I've already said, sometimes it's so easy to be, uh, you know, skeptical and kind of be wise concerning uh, evil instead of wise concerning good. And then apply Matthew 18, right? Um, we shouldn't be going around complaining about people if we're not willing to go to them personally. So, um, and, then, and then you know what? Um, we might fail in these areas. Uh, not only have we failed in them, we might fail in them next week. So uh, let, me, let me talk to you about how you can realize your failure is giving place to the devil in real life, in real time, because it's important. Um, how many, oh, I've already covered that. Right, so uh, <clears throat> do you realize your failure is giving place to the devil um, to work in your midst? So when we do fail, we got to take it serious. It's like, well, yeah, I do that, but it's just me. It's just who I am, you know. It's just old Brian. That's just how he is. How many times we cover for people's disobedience by just saying, oh, that's who they are. You know, you know how he is. And, of course, as people get older, we give them more grace that way. And uh, because why do we give them, why do we give elderly people more grace? Because we don't expect them to change is the truth. So we only have grace left to give them. But you know what? I hope I'm getting older. I'm, uh, you know, I've got more life probably behind me than ahead of me now. So uh, I hope that when I finish my race, I'm full of grace and I'm not, I don't have a bunch of people saying, well, that's just old cantankerous Brian and he just shoots out the lip whatever he wants because he's old and he can get away with it, you know. Um, you know, that, that's kind of funny and everything, but it's really not good. Uh, you want to you wanna have grace and you want to age gracefully. So the Bible says in, in Ephesians 4.26, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. So it's important that we don't give a place to the devil, right? That's, that's a big deal. Don't give place to the devil. So and we can do that pretty quickly. Um, and so don't give him a place. Like when you're wrestling for real somebody, um, you don't want to give them a, a shot, right? So when, you, if you leave something open, it'll take a shot on it, meaning your leg, your arm, or whatever. Uh, just like in a work situation, you know, cover up the things that, that uh, you can cover up because our failures give place to the devil. And so not just in our life, it gives place in our family's lives and it gives place in our church family's lives. And ultimately, that's the goal of the, of the devil is to hinder the church to hinder your family first and then hinder the church so that he can hinder the overall forward progress of the kingdom of God. I want to commend, by the way, um, HBF. I think we have a lot of people who do things biblically and take these things seriously. So I, I'm not actually thinking of anyone in particular, though I do have real examples that are always floating around in my head. For the most part, I think HBF does a great job, as far as I know, and uh, of trying not to uh, give place to the devil. And of course, uh, if I can do anything to help you with that, I will encourage that. So let me give you some more practical advice. Um, let's talk about Romans sixteen nineteen. Uh, the Paul says here, For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Right? So focus on the things that are good. Right? The Bible even tells us that. Uh, in Philippians, right? Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, right? There be any virtue, there be any praise. Think on those things. So fill your mind with things that are good and uh, not on evil. If you meditate on evil all day long, if you listen to the, you know, the news network, I don't care which one, NPR or uh, uh, whatever, you know, 
Sean Hannity, whatever your flavor is, you're going to get kind of cranky, right? Because it's just going to mess you up. So you need to be thinking about what the Bible says and get up above all that garbage and, uh, and, and put your mind, put our minds in a place that, uh, you know, where our minds are sober and vigilant. Think about things that are good because ultimately those are the things that overcome all that anyway. And uh, now I'm not saying there isn't valuable discussions and all of that stuff. I'm just saying that as a Christian, you got to be careful not to give place to the devil. It's so easy to get caught up in a bunch of drama that Jesus has already solved. So, so in conclusion, we've covered the foundation of a Christian warrior is developed in his or her character, and the adversary, or, and the yeah, adversary of a Christian warrior seeks uh, total annihilation, and so uh, he wants to kill you, and so uh, so don't let that happen. So I'm going to move on now to the armor. Because if you've been with me, you're probably been going, man, Brian, you have not even gotten to the armor yet. What is wrong with you, man? That's what everybody knows. You know what? I think everything surrounds. I think the armor is important. Don't get me wrong. But I think what the, the things that we've covered leading up to the armor is equally important. Because many people um, are not ready to put on the armor. They're still infants. They're like little babies in Christ. And until you mature to the point that you really know how to actively engage the Word of God, you can't think on things that are good because you haven't put the Word of God in you. And so the Word of God has to be in us if we're going to really engage. So let's look at the text once again in, in chapter 6 and verse 13. Now, now that we know that we have an adversary, we know who we're facing off with, we know the tactics, he says, wherefore, right? Because of all of that, because there is spiritual wickedness in high places, because uh, you are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, right? Powers and against pow- uh, uh, the rulers of the darkness of this world, which talked a lot about that last week against spiritual wickedness in uh, high places, heavenly places. Uh, literally, the, in the margin of the Oxford King James game, they, they put heavenly places in, high, in heavenly places. You are wrestling with spiritual forces, right? Like Daniel when he was praying. So verse 13, wherefore, because of that, take unto you, you know, some of the armor of God, just whatever you feel like is handy. No, he says the whole right, armor of God, all of it, why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And there's a comma there, right? Uh, do all to stand, uh, having done all, all right? And so we're, we're to, we'll get into that here in a moment. And then he says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So, uh, you know, really, here's my thesis in regard to this. Uh, God provides the Christian warrior everything necessary to stand in battle. So uh, don't, you don't have to sweat that. God gives us everything we need to stand in the battle. So the Christian, uh, the Christian warrior must be prepared uh, for the evil day. And that's what Ephesians 6.13 says, Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. So, um, you know, let's just focus on the, the evil day. Why? Because every day is evil, right? Every day is evil. And um, in Ephesians 5.16, the Bible tells us that we're to redeem the time because the days are evil. So it's not like there's not, it's just like, oh, every day is great, and then one day there's going to be an evil day. Every day is evil, so we've got to be prepared for that. Um, but then there's a day uh, that God decides you're worthy of Satan's attention, and that is an evil, evil day. And you say, well, Brian, how do you know that? Well, I'm glad you asked, because the Bible tells us in Job chapter 1 and verse 6, an example 
of what that looks like. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to uh, present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also with them. Notice that in Job 1.6, the text says there, there was, an, there was a day, right? There was a day. Now every day is evil, right? Uh, Job was, he was burning sacrifices for his kids. We know later in the book of Job that Job had himself struggled with sin as a younger man and was struggling as an old man, I'm sure. But the point is, he was, he was dealing with the evil in the, in the world at that time. He was, he was interceding for his children already because of the impact of sin. But there came a day when he, he got the attention, not of the devil, but of God. God allowed Job to face off with the forces of wickedness. I mean, he just let it happen. Uh, because he was proving something to the devil. And he didn't really get a, an adequate explanation from God until he went home to heaven. And so uh, we need to understand that a so, as a soldier, right, that's why you got to grow into this. You don't start off as a child or even a servant uh, and a master really fully grasping this. A soldier goes where they're called, and they do what they're called to do. You know, I mean, soldiers are awesome. And you think about Uriah the Hittite. I was just reading that in my daily reading. You know, Uriah just... There's no indication that he did not charge a wall. That he he probably knew going in he's going to get killed, you know. Um, and and by the way, Uriah wasn't the only one. Joab had to send these guys into battle because David said so. David put him in a position where he was going to die because uh, he was stone cold covering up his sin. We know that story. But the I mean, in a, Uriah, as far as the soldiers concerned, one of the greatest examples to anybody in the Bible. I mean, this guy. He, he won't go home to be with his wife. He stays with his, he's always mindful of what's going on in the field. Uh, he's in the battle when he's not even physically there in the battle. He gets to the battle, gets put in a bad situation and, and fulfills his duty to the point of death. You know, he comes home on his shield, so to speak, like a Spartan. I mean, man, what kind of soldier is that? That's the kind of soldier, I, I want to be that kind of soldier. And I hope you do too, because uh, I tell you what, uh, that kind of soldier is the kind of soldiers that God can use. That's, that's the kind of soldier Job ended up being. Uh, he was a kind of soldier that God could, God could use, and so, um, and so, uh, man, Job did a great job, uh, and so we need to do a great job. We need to be ready for that evil day. Now we got a little more insight than Job. We got the whole counsel of God's word, and we got the whole armor of God. We got the indwelling Holy Ghost, and so there's a day uh, when God decides we're worthy, uh, and He says, "You know what, Brian? Uh, you are now worthy for Satan's attention." Now, I don't know about you, but that, that, I don't really want that day. I'm not really looking forward to that day. But, uh, but you want to be ready for it, right? It's not something that anybody really should be wanting, eager to get into. But when it comes, we need to be ready. And we need to have an awareness of what's going on. So the armor of God has, has two parts. If you're going to stand in the, in, the, in the evil day, you're going to have to understand your protective measures. And so the protective uniform... Um, that is, is only designed for defensive stance with no retreat. Uh, there is no provision for retreat in the armor of God, so we must move forward. I can't tell you personally how uh, encouraging that is to me. I am incl my inclination is always to move forward. Um, but that's not to you know, minimize the present or forget the past. But frankly, that's the only way you're, you're given to go. There is no turning back, right? Uh, we even sing the hymn, no turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. Forward is the only place to go, even if it means your death, right? That's ultimately what, uh, when you look at Peter's development as a, as a minister, he developed every one of those uh, apostles except for John, uh, not for lack of trying to kill John, but John was not going to die because God wasn't going to let him die of uh, martyrdom. 
But uh, every one of those guys uh, died as a martyr, um, including Matthias, and at least according to what we you know read in in history, what we believe is is accurate in history. And so, and we know some of that for sure. James was a martyr, uh, and so on and so forth. In India, my friends, if you're watching in India, you know Thomas was a martyr uh, in India, and uh, you know just last year, gosh, I'm sure last week, probably you know last hour. There are martyrs happening all over the world, even to this day, people that are giving their life for Christ. And, um, and you know, it, whether you give your life physically and die or you give your life in, in living for Christ, it's not easy. You need to be a soldier. And being a, 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 an immature Christian is not going to really prepare you for the rigors of warfare, spiritual warfare. There has to be maturation, which we've already taken a lot of time to talk about that in previous weeks. <clears throat> but that's because you don't have the luxury, and I don't have the luxury of retreating. I don't have the luxury of going back. Like in the Matrix, that guy wants to take the you know red pill, blue pill, and then that one guy's like, hey, man, just put me back in. I want to forget about this. Calgon, take me away. The, the spiritual warfare is just too real. It's too raw. I can't take it. Well, you know what? God needs a few people that will take it and will stand up and, and serve the Lord faithfully. And he needs, a, he needs as many as possible because we need an army of people uh, that God can use, that will not retreat, that will not turn their back to the fight. And so the armor has two parts. The protective uniform, right? Again, that's not designed for uh, anything other than going forward. And then the sword. That's the only offensive piece of the weapon you got. I mean, the rest is defensive, and it's facing forward. The other is is that uh, is that sword. And I think the Apostle Paul, though not a soldier, obviously is, is alluding to, especially right into Ephesus uh, there, uh, is alluding to the Roman soldiers, no doubt about that, and the fact that that's how they fought, right? They they were going forward, they interchanged their or they interlocked their their uh, shields, and they uh, they they protected each other, and then they used their swords effectively, and so the sword is the only offensive weapon, and so this armor does not reflect uh, light, however, and this is cool, it is light. Now think now that's cool. So the armor isn't just like shiny. Right when you get to the, uh, you know, the King Henry era, whatever, you know, you think of these knights in shining armor. We even call it that. The ladies are waiting for a knight in shining armor. Well, uh, you know what? Our not, we don't have shining armor. We have we have we have armor of light. It's not it's shining all right, but it's not because it's reflecting anything. It's because it's we are light. In Romans thirteen and verse twelve. So let me give you the verse for this, so you know what I'm talking about. The Apostle Paul writes here, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on, what's it say there? The armor of light. So what we're putting on is armor of light. Our armor is light, right? That's this book, man. We've got the word of God. It is light in a dark world. So our armor is light. It defends us. It protects us. It also covers us. Hallelujah. Covers up our our old stinky flesh. So the darker things become, the more we stand out. Uh, and 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 you better believe it. In the days ahead, we're gonna you're gonna get attention. Even a marginal Christian is gonna start getting some attention, just because the world's getting darker. And that's why we got to have the intestinal fortitude to stand. Uh, because if you're gonna stand in an evil day, you got to have what it takes. Because the brighter you are, uh, the more attention you're gonna get. And that's actually what God designed it for. He 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 wants you to draw a little fire. Uh, so you can get into it and prove the Lord's sufficiency. Uh, and so the darker things become, the more we stand out. And God doesn't need us to stand down, right? He, he doesn't say lay down. He says stand up. Uh, he, he doesn't give us camouflage. It's totally opposite of like 
modern warfare, right? We camouflage and we hide and no. He's like, no, we're going to do the opposite. We're going to stand out and we're going to put on light. We're going to let everybody know we're coming. You know what that's a sign of? That's a sign of a bad boy. That's somebody, not, I'm saying that actually is a, I don't mean literally bad, but you know what I'm saying. That's someone that's, that's a tough hombre that says, I'm all here, I'm loud and I'm proud and I'm coming anyway. That's the kind of soldier God is. You look at Revelation 19. When Jesus comes back, he's not playing. I mean, he's coming back. He's loud and he's proud. He's bright. He's, he's got a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. He ain't goofing around. And so Christians do need a little bit of boldness is what I'm saying. I mean, we need to be meek. Obviously, that's power under control. We don't want to be obnoxious and stupid. Um, we need to be uh, gentle and kind. All of those things are what make us stand out. That's what gives us light. And the more we're like Christ, the more gentle we are, the more uh, blameless and harmless that we are. Philippians tells us in chapter 2, the brighter we become in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And so we, we lay our lives down, and that just keeps shining. And the cool thing is, it can't be defeated. So point two on your outline there. A Christian. So point one was, the Christian warrior must be prepared for the evil day. <clears throat> Second point is, the Christian warrior must use his armor, not just wear it. And so we slip down to verse 14. It says, stand therefore, right, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Right, so we've got to use the armor, not just, not just wear it. Right? It's, it's meant to be employed in the battle. So in Ephesians chapter 14 or 6 and verse 15, it goes on to say, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So let's just run through this as quick as we can in the time we have left. Number one, or point A, gird up your loins uh, with <clears throat> truth. First uh, Peter uh, chapter 1 and uh, verse uh, 13 says this. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end. For the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as, an obedient, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Right? And so uh, Jeremy Bonison just spoke about this. Uh, this last uh, Saturday in our discipleship training luncheon. And, uh, you know, it's interesting how the first thing that he talks about, I'm going to, by the way, Jeremy, shout out, I'm stealing this from you. Uh, he's teaching how to disciple tonight. But the first thing that, that you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna deal with is the loins of your mind. Now, in our body, the loins are our waist, our hips, right? And if you ever play a sport, that's, that's the place. If you wrestle, hips, hip control, hand control. Uh, if you play football, right, the head jukes, whatever, but where their hips go typically is where the football's going. Hips are a big deal. The loins are a big deal. And uh, before we get into all the other issues, he deals with the loins because that's, that represents the mind. It's the, it's the power. And, uh, and so he deals with how important that is. And so we, we, he says, make sure that the loins, uh, the, by the way, when you think about loins uh, in regard to warfare, um, it, it's a place of balance as well. It's not just strength, but it's your balance. It's also, uh, of course, the place of reproductivity. Uh, the reproductive organs are, are placed there as well. So there's a lot of things going on in the loins that, uh, you know, fruit bearing, uh, balance, strength, all of those things. And, and really what he's doing is saying, look, you're going to be off balance. You're not going to bear fruit and you're not going to have any strength if your mind's not wired right, right? That's why he says, let this mind, Philippians 2, 5, be in you 
which was also in Christ Jesus. And then if you go on to read, he's not just using it like as a, as a quick devotional reference to a discipleship lesson. He's also saying, look, this is the mindset that you are to have, right? Who, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, meaning he, was, he is God, yet he became of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, Ephesians chapter 6, right, he, uh, in verse 5. And, and uh, he became obedient unto death, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, even the death of the cross. And so he, he demonstrated his, his faithfulness and what we're to be. Why? Because he had a mindset, right, of, of uh, not only a, a faithful child, not only a faithful servant, uh, but also that of a, of a, of a soldier. Uh, and so uh, his loins, the loins of his mind were girt up. And so, man, our minds need to be filled with the Word of God. That's why in our discipleship lessons we work on uh, memory verses. If the Maros are watching, memory verses Thursday night. There's some memory verses coming. So uh, memory verses, right? And it maybe initially it starts up in our head, but you know what? If we, if we start using it, it starts to resonate in our heart. By reason of use, our senses are exercised to discern good and evil. So it's a good place to put the words in our head, but then it'll sink down into our hearts, right? But all of that deals with the loins of our mind, right? Our mind needs to be right for combat. Uh, if somebody's mind's not right, they can't, they can't do combat very good, right? They're going to have to go home. They're going to get a, they're have to gonna go get a whatever and get booted back home. And so, so the armor of a Christian warrior, uh, we understand that we've got to use the armor. We've got to gird up the loins of our mind, and we've got to have on the, the breastplate of righteousness. I'm not going to tarry on these. You've probably heard a million sermons on this, so I'm not going to expound it. And, and it's not, I don't even think it's meant to be that deeply expounded on. It's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, Romans 5.19, For as, as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Uh, uh, so what's that talking about? So the breastplate of righteousness covers our chest. Uh, because we have asked the righteousness of God into our heart, right? And so First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 5.8 says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. Right? So we need to make sure that we're putting on the breastplate of faith. And he's, notice he says love. So it's not just an issue of what you believe. It's what you love, what you care about. So if we're going to have on the breastplate of righteousness, we're going to have to have a heart for God's word, not just a knowledge of God's word. The righteousness comes from Christ. Christ. Christ is the righteousness of God, and so um, and so this is a description of the the arm of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the righteous man. In Isaiah fifty nine seventeen, the Bible says, "For he put on righteousness as a breastplate." and a helmet of salvation upon his head. Where do you think Paul's getting this stuff? Well, he's getting it from the Old Testament. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Right? So Paul is just reiterating Isaiah 59 and verse 17. For he, who's he? He is, this is a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so, uh, man, I tell you what, Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. And uh, and he he put on the righteousness as a as a as a breastplate. So we should be right. And Jesus is only protection. When you think about Jesus and, uh, and what he endured in this life, in this world, his only protection was his righteousness. He was right. And everybody is wrong. That's the truth to this day. Jesus is right. And everybody else is wrong. 
And obviously, it's not about like right and being everyone, you know, us being right and everybody being wrong. But it is about being righteous, meaning our, our life lives out that which is right. Truth was flowing. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. So when it comes to spiritual warfare, you can't war in unrighteousness. You have to be righteous. And the only way to be righteous is to be found in Christ. That protects you, protects your heart from getting a shot in the heart. All right. So uh, I need to probably stop there, but let me try to get one more in. And then we'll, we'll, we'll pull up for tonight because uh, I'm out of time. When I'm on the line like this, I need to go shorter. Um, but uh, have your feet shod with the, uh, or bound, it says, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So verse 16 or verse 15 talks about the feet. Uh, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7, the Bible says, again, Paul pulling from Isaiah, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. So Paul's alluding to the fact that, you know, we need to make sure that we're taking the word of God where it needs to go, right? That publishes peace and bringeth good tidings of good that publisheth salvation that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. So who have we gone and told today? God reigns. God reigneth. That's not just like a little God reigneth. Thy God reigneth. I mean, it's like getting excited. Get fired up. Especially you Cavins over there. All right. So, uh, so God is a is a is God is is a, a footman, right? He is he he likes the feet uh, of those who who carry his good news, right? So, uh, he likes to look at the feet uh, of of his saints and say, "Oh, you have beautiful feet." And so, when you think of feet, right? Well, usually, you know, that can be kind of gnarly. I mean, I don't know. Some people are into beautiful feet. I don't really know if there are such things as beautiful feet. But, uh, um, you know, whatever. Whatever your thing. But the point is simply this. Uh, what makes feet beautiful to God, uh, fortunately, is not how they look or smell. It's what they're carrying, right? Are they carrying the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Um, and it is interesting because feet, by nature, right, are, uh, they carry everything. Right, everything hinges on that. I mean, if you don't have feet, you're like Mephibosheth. You, you don't. You, you're lame. You got to have other people help you. Uh, but the feet are to be carrying the gospel. The one thing that we're to, to to be doing is taking the gospel where it needs to go. We always say good discipleship is good evangelism, and that's true. Um, and they are connected. But it should just be intuitive, right? You're not going forward, right? We know this armor is to place is is positioned to go forward. Well, you're not going forward. I'm not going forward. If I'm not preaching the gospel, it's just not happening. Your feet aren't, you're, you're lame, man. And so you can have all this Bible knowledge in the world about discipleship and know all about reproduction in your loins, but if your feet are not carrying you forward in the battle and you're not taking the gospel somewhere, what are you doing, man? It's a joke. So quit it. Get into the gospel game. And uh, it's amazing. One time I, I knew this guy, I won't, don't want to say names. He could not preach the gospel. He, was a, he went to Calvary Bible College. Uh, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd had a lot of Bibles tucked away, whatever. He was perceived to be a thoughtful fellow. But the, at the end of the day, I'm like, dude, you're in a mission. Preach Jesus. Preach the death, the burial, the resurrection. Dude struggled. I'm like, something's wrong with that guy's feet. We got a Mephibosheth on, on our hands right here. Um, something is not square. There's something wrong with a Christian who can't preach the gospel. I'm just telling you. They're not fit for battle for sure. And so uh, there's a lot of people that hide out in churches, right? Well, that's just not my gifting, you know, I'm going to do that. Well, I get that. Not everybody's gifting is evangelism. 
Um, and, I'm, I, and I do think we should all be uh, aware of that. But every, everybody who's a Christian should carry the gospel. It doesn't matter uh, because uh, that's, that's what we're all to be doing. So everyone should have their feet shod with the preparation of the gospel to peace. How hard is it to, to give out a gospel tract? How hard is it to pray and say, God, give me an open door and just watch God open doors for you? I mean, really, getting the gospel is not based in us. It's based in what God needs. He wants to get the message out. He wants us to proclaim that he reigns. So I'm fired up about this, as you can tell. So the gospel is defined for us very clearly in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. And I'm not going to turn to that, but if you want to know what it is, it's simply the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and the fact that he's returning, and he's coming back in judgment. So it behooves us to share the gospel, the the good news, because we can receive his mercy and grace before he comes in judgment. But if we don't share the gospel, all that someone has to look forward to is judgment. And if we really believe the gospel ourselves... That will motivate us to share the gospel. So, you know, really one of the things we can do is just sit around and think about, do, we, do I really believe what the gospel teaches, not only about my salvation, but also God's coming judgment for those who haven't gotten saved? Because the gospel does include his return. Uh, if you go back and look at uh, many accounts, not just 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Um, that's a good day for me because I'm saved, but it's not a good day for someone who's lost. And that should motivate us to go ahead and shot up our feet and trust the Lord to share the gospel. I've been talking about this here at Heartland, uh, and uh, you know we make a lot of excuses for not sharing the gospel, and there just really isn't any. We need to quit making excuses. We do need to encourage each other because it's hard to do, not because it's difficult, but because it's spiritual, and it's spiritual work. So we should be praying. We should be uh, making it intentional. So one of the things I've tried to do at my home uh, this year is just is be more intentional about praying for certain people and talking with my family about certain people who need to be saved. And uh, having conversation about just that issue of the gospel. You know, who really cares about the Super Bowl if someone we know and love, someone we don't even love, someone we know is going to die and go to hell, right? Uh, We need to share the gospel with them because God loves them. All right, so uh, one of my favorite verses in life, uh, this is one of my life verses, is is 1 Thessalonians 2.4. And I used to misquote this a lot, and I took it personal. Um, and I used to say, but as I was allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, so also I speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. But it doesn't say I, it says we. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. And I think the we is really important because in Thessalonica, preaching the gospel was tough business. That was tough sledding, as uh, as uh, Bob Bolkin would say. And um, <clears throat> And I tell you what, I mean, you needed a team. You needed to lock arms with people to do that. And so uh, Pat Lee's working on a concept. Be praying for Pat, by the way. Um, uh, he's uh, he's uh, working through some, some blood pressure issues, but he's, uh, uh, he's, he's uh, just li- lift him up in prayer. But he's working on a concept we're, gonna, we're, we're working on called IGO Teams, where we just intentionally get together, like I'm talking about, as a we, and we pray for each other as we in, in, attempt to just reach people for Christ. Uh, it's not about going, we're still always going out and doing different stuff, but I'm talking about being intentional in a group uh, and praying, just like I'm trying to do with my family and being intentional about the gospel, getting it where it needs to go on time. So uh, the Thessalonians were under persecution. Paul writes to them and, and tells them it's a privilege, right? It's a privilege to carry the gospel as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak uh, as though it is a privilege. Not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. So there has to be fidelity there. You can see the, the concept of someone who's got their feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace 
has a fidelity to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not worried about all the, what everybody else thinks about them. They're worried about what God thinks about them carrying his message. So they are where Paul's actually going. We look at the gospel like it's the elementary thing in the body of Christ, and it is. It is that simple. It's as simple as 1 Corinthians 15. But it's also, it's also the advanced thing. It's what Paul was doing to Nero. And it took all of Paul's ministry and preparation to stand him before, you know, really the Antichrist at, a, at that time and share the gospel and then die for it. I mean, that's not, it's not light work, all right? That takes people that are committed. And so we need to be committed to the gospel. Our feet need to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So uh, we have, um, uh, you have the gospel bound on, <clears throat> uh, bound to your walk. So our walk should reflect the good news. Right? Our walk should reflect the good news. The gospel is, we've already seen the armor is radiant. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3, the Bible says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel uh, of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So our feet are, we're literally, we're to bind in Ephesians, the Bible there says your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You have to put it on, and our feet are glowing. Our feet are on, it's not on fire, but they are, they are, they are, uh, they should be blinding, right? Uh, people should see the light. So don't carry the gospel in your slippers, right, or your loafers. Uh, God wants us to have combat boots on our feet spiritually, man. He wants us to take the gospel where it needs to go, um, and, and they need to be, when you shod your feet, what he's talking about is, I'm sure those Roman soldiers, you know, they made sure those sandals or whatever they were wearing, their combat shoes, uh, were on, right? You don't want to go into combat with your feet, with your shoes falling off. I, I remember reading a, uh, or watching a documentary, I can't remember which, but the, the Korean War is fascinating. Uh, Chosen Reservoir, outstanding, unbelievable soldiers that we had there. Um, and uh, some of those dudes, they got attacked by the Chinese in the middle of the night. They had to fight all night without shoes on. That was not ideal. Uh, I was telling my son the other day when it, the temperatures dropped and we were outside and it was cold. I was telling him about the Chosen Reservoir, how these dudes fought literally in this kind of weather and, uh, and uh, without shoes on. You know what happened? Their feet froze up and a lot of them had their legs amputated uh, because they ended up freezing their legs off, literally. And they just kept fighting. They had like ice cube feet. So it's not ideal. It's best to go into combat with, with shoes on. Uh, to have something on your feet. And you need to bind it because if you lose it, if you've ever done a sport, it's not easy to run if you don't have cleats on, right? Uh, that's not an ideal situation. And so make sure it's bound. Don't carry the gospel in your slippers. Those will fall off. You need gospel combat boots. You need it, to be, it needs to be a part of, of what you're doing and what I'm doing. I need to, I'm preaching to me too. So if, you, if you've ever seen a pair of combat boots or cleats with the, with the loose, uh, they just don't make them where they're slip on and slip on. I, I, I've never seen that. I mean, usually you have to lace them up and bind them in some fashion because it's just not easy or they'll fall off your feet. And so uh, if, if, so we shouldn't, we shouldn't slip out of our gospel conversation. I'm going somewhere with this, right? It shouldn't be so easy just to, oh, I'm not going to share the gospel. It should actually be hard for us to get away from the gospel. Our gospel witness should be, uh, it should be pervasive in our walk. And, uh, and frankly, when it's not, what you see is what we get today in our culture even since I got saved 30-some years ago in 87. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, back then, you know, it was almost like a lot of people in the culture, yeah, I know about Jesus and everything. 
and that people would kind of feel like, oh, you know, they've already heard the gospel. Today, man, because of social media, because everybody gets to, to, to listen to whatever they want, They're, they don't have to listen to Billy Graham when he comes on 4, 5, and 9 anymore. Man, there's a ton of people who never even heard the gospel. And of all times, the church needs to be about sharing the gospel because uh, now is the time when people need to hear it the most. So uh, in a very practical way, in a sense, uh, we should always have ourselves prepared to tell the gospel wherever we go. So I'm going to finish with this. First Peter 3.15, the Bible says this, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man. Every man. It doesn't matter if it's a king uh, or it's a homeless man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And so, by the way, notice at the end of that, asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Even if you're like not Mr., uh, you know, I, I'm afraid to open my mouth and all that. If, you live, if we live a life with our loins girt about with truth, where our life is, is filled with the Spirit of God, people are going to want to know what in the world, you know, and God is going to open up the doors for you to share, and you got to be ready. Right, sanctify, set apart the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that is that asketh the reason of the hope that is in you. Right, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, "Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine." So we should be ready. Period. We're to be vigilant. Soldiers are vigilant. Uh, those guys that uh, were fighting at the Chosen Reservoir back in the Korean War. They, they didn't have their shoes on, but they still fought a mean battle, man. They were ready to fight, literally, at a moment's notice. Uh, the gospel was ready. Well, in their case, you know, whatever guns they were using at that time. They didn't have M16s. You know what they were using back then? Brownings, probably. But uh, they were ready, and they went after it. So that's what we're going to pull up. Next time we get together, we're going to pick up the shield of faith in Ephesians 6.16. And so, uh, Ray, before we close up, are there any questions? Any any, or am I just doing this to the atmosphere? Oh, they probably don't like us. So, um, so has anybody got comments or questions? Oh, bummer. Well, guys, thanks for enduring hardness as good soldiers dealing with technology tonight. And uh, Cabins, thank you for coming out tonight. Hope you're encouraged. And QAnon, uh, I'm glad he's with us as well. <laughs> so um, let's go ahead and uh, have a word of prayer. If you're watching tonight, and I don't, doesn't, I don't think we, yeah, this will probably air later too, won't it? So if you're watching this tonight and you're not born again or you're watching this somewhere, somehow, some way, some other place, and you don't know Jesus, you need to know him now. Um, today's the day of salvation. All you got to do is really understand. First of all, you do got to believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So Jesus Christ is God, manifest in the flesh. He's not a God. Uh, the Mormons have been calling me. He's not Jesus. Uh, Jesus isn't the brother of Lucifer. Jesus is God, manifest in the flesh. And uh, he was incarnate. He came, he, he's all God and he was all man. He was born of a virgin named Mary. He lived a sinless life, 33 and a half years. And what he got for that was being crucified by uh, not just the Jews, but really all of us, our sin. He allowed himself to be killed on the cross as a, because he's our sacrifice for sin. He fulfilled uh, the Old Testament law and became the Passover, the Passover lamb. So death would pass over us. 
And so he died on the cross like a lamb, and, uh, and his blood was shed. And then on the third day, just as prophesied, he rose again, and he's alive right now. And he calls all men everywhere to repent, everywhere. And so it doesn't matter if you're in India, or China, Russia, somewhere else, uh, or America, Cass County, Jackson County, Bates County, uh, even Henry County, you can get saved. <laughs> so call upon the name of the Lord. Simply, the best way you know how in your heart, ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, and he will come into your heart and save you. We just had a guy get baptized Sunday who read the Bible and read some discipleship lessons that we had in our Bible. Just They were just lessons that explain the gospel, explain basic principles of the Bible, and he got saved in his jail cell, and he got baptized last Sunday. And his salvation came at jail, and then he, he just showed everybody publicly that he wanted to be obedient last Sunday. So he'll meet you anywhere. Anyway, if you open up God's Word, or Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.12, Romans 10.9 and 10, read those verses. And when you get to Romans 10.9 and 10, call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to meet together. Thank you for the cabins making it out in this uh, gnarly weather. And just pray, God, a blessing on all those that were watching online. Lord, uh, just uh, pray for our technology. It's uh, failing us, and uh, Lord, but you never fail us. And the Word of God, the Bible says, is not bound. So take these messages wherever they need to go, however they need to go, uh, and to whoever they need to go. We just thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. And Lord, I want to pray for Belinda Lemon. Lord, she uh, sent in a prayer request, I believe, for her mother. And so I just want to lift that up to you even now, uh, Lord, and, and just ask that you would meet that need in a very special way. And uh, let me look for that. Her aunt, Marlene. Heavenly Father, we pray for Belinda Lemon's aunt, Marlene. And Lord, we just lift up uh, our church family here at HBF and uh, New Life in Clinton and uh, our sister churches in the Living Faith Fellowship and all of our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. And uh, Lord, think about our friends in India and our friends uh, in Asia, our friends uh, all over the planet, Lord. Think about Doug Howie. Pray for Camelia Howie. She's having some health issues too. Lord, a lot of things to pray about. So Lord, help us to be prayerful people. Well, thank you and we'll praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, that is a wrap.